Welcome to Sharpen the Iron Podcast, where it is my job to share with you tools, lessons, inspiration, and ideas to help you sharpen your iron mind, empowering you to go out and walk with God day by day to maximize your life. Today, we are talking about this idea of being relatively rich. So that's what, exactly what we're exploring, relative richness, and how we can use this in our lives. So I want to start with where I came across this idea, and I've been reading Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, where he brings up relative luck in describing, while describing and outlining his time in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. So even while living a life pulled away from his family, everything he owns, his identity, even his name, all he is in that camp is a number. He's living a life of suffering, eating nothing but watery soup and a few ounces of bread daily, living in a constant state of fear as death is always knocking at his door. In freezing cold conditions, working long days, Frankel talks about relative luck and the humor that lightened his load. And this idea that even though they were living in existence, that the modern man, the, the mo- even though this was not even 100 years ago, living in an existence that we can't even imagine today, his eyes were open to relative luck, to his relative richness in his life. So I want to kind of talk about this one passage, this one section that I'm just going to quickly cover, where he speaks of being in a train cart for days, packed so tightly that there was barely even room to stand up. You know, some had to crouch on the floor while others, you know, everyone was packed like a little sardine in there. The floor was covered with urine and feces, and they were being transported from Auschwitz to another camp. And a few of these prisoners had been in the system long enough that they knew that if they were crossing, if they were to go to cross the certain bridge, they were going to a camp where there was a gas chamber, which meant if they didn't pass inspection for any little reason, if they were limping, they looked too weak, anything at all, they were too cold, something, any little thing, that they would instantly be sent to the gas chamber. However, they were in the cart looking out the tiny window and came to see that they had arrived at a different camp with no chimneys in sight. And no chimneys means no gas chambers. So even if they didn't pass inspection, they would first be set to a hut where they may get medical attention, where they may see a doctor, they may have time to recover. And even if they were sent there, they still would have to board another train to be sent somewhere else before they could be gassed. So it gave them a little bit of life. It gave him some hope. He says that, or he's speaking of that when these Jews in the cart realized this camp didn't have a gas chamber, they were, and he said this, that they were only, in quotes, only being sent to Dachau, only being sent to Dachau, that they did a little dance on the train cart because of how joyful they were for this little mercy that they had been granted and blessed with which is just crazy, right? In the midst of this wretched existence, they found joy. They cracked jokes in spite of their suffering. You know, they found this relative luck, which lightened the burden of their load and their suffering. This humor paradoxically freed them. 
you know, like you kind of make, and you can do this within your own life, which is interesting. This is different a little bit than the relative luck, but you can look at your situation and kind of poke fun of it, like make jokes about it in a weird way that lightens it a little bit, that puts it into perspective, that frees you from it, which is a cool thing. You know, like I think of this with running. It's like, sure, you're out there suffering when you've been running for hours and hours and hours, but it's like, you kind of got to laugh at it and think it's so stupid. Like I've just been out here running for hours. Like it really does put it into perspective or it changes the way you look at it in a weird way. And he said for the next few days, these men were literally sent to a concentration camp, but they were in such a good mood because of this mercy, this luck. And he spoke of this relative luck even further, saying that they would look to some prisoners and envy them, you know, because they worked inside. They looked as if they had toothbrushes, more food, a nice bed to sleep on, and potentially received mail. Like, think about that. These people that they looked to and envied, they were also prisoners. They also had nothing. But they just had slightly more than them. So even at the most primitive, like, level of existence, they were still comparing themselves upwardly, but then he also spoke of comparing themselves to the people who worked in thick mud where most of the casualties happened at work when they were working there was uh when they were working on the railroads and stuff like that because of the dangers and because of how weak they really were how little bread they had you know when they looked at these men when they looked at them he spoke of how humbling it was how lucky it made him feel and that's that idea there's this scale of relative luck where you can really find how rich you truly are and relative luck relatively rich they're the same somewhat interchangeable ideas but I, like i don't really like the word luck because to me luck seems like something that doesn't have someone intentionally working behind it like there's no logic or reasoning behind it like it just, it comes and goes in a weird sense. But I don't believe that to be the case because God's hand is in all things. So yes, it is luck, maybe divine luck, but it's also just like a, a little miracle. It's a little blessing. So like those words can also be interchangeable. Luck, blessings, richness, miracles. Okay, but why does any of this matter to the modern man? Why does this matter to us? You know, none of us are suffering in a concentration camp. None of us have gone through and probably will go through what Frankel has gone through. But by the same token, the hardest thing you've ever gone through is still the hardest thing you've ever gone through. Like you can't overlook or look down upon that. And life is suffering because life is death. So maybe if you haven't gone through something hard, you just haven't gone through something hard yet. Like it's coming. And it's going to come eventually because you're going to die. Everyone you love is going to die. It's just the way things work. And I think this matters because it can help us open our eyes. It humbles us. It can help us put our situation, our lives into perspective. It helps us see things from the mountaintop, which enables us to see things clearly. Like you get to the top of a mountain, it's like, just take a breath. Like you're free up there. You see everything clearly. And really, this was enamored into me in a few cases that I want to bring up. And one is uh, somewhat similar to Frankel at, to some level, to some degree, um, with the work situation. And I think 
almost all people can relate to it. And there's another example I can bring up as well. But the first case that I want to talk about is this past week, um, my family and I were in Florida and we left last Friday to drive home, which was about, it was from Sarasota to Iowa, Humboldt, Iowa, which was about a 24, 25 hour total drive, right? And on this way home, I drove for the majority of the time. And while on the interstate, you could often, you would often see someone, excuse me, on the side of the road, you know, pulled over by a cop or someone with their hood up, looking at their engine, someone in a wreck, someone on the side of an interstate changing a tire, or even walking on the side of the road. And every time I saw this, I would say, and even, I would think to myself and even said a few times out loud, man, our situation could always be worse. It could be so much worse, which is funny because like I'm sitting there driving thinking, you know, like, man, we got 20 hours left to go. I didn't get my workout in today. I'm thinking about my life, you know, trying to figure out where things are going, trying to figure out what's next for me. And it's easy to slip down that slope of poor me, poor Sam. But then you look at this and you're like, my goodness, I'm rich. And this is that idea of relatively rich. You can always look at your situation and think you have it worse. But when you take some time and step back and detach from that ego and just go to your neighbor's house and ask them, so go, if you, and if your neighbor isn't going through something worse than you, you go down to the next neighbor's house. Like you don't have to look very far to find someone's situation who is far worse than yours. And, you know, we think of comparison as being the thief of joy. But in this case, paradoxically, comparison I wouldn't say brings joy, but almost it frees us. And I heard this recently as well that ties right in that if everyone threw their problems in a pile, you would instantly take yours back. You, like, your problems are so much better in so many cases in so many ways than someone else's. Your problems are yours and they give you a purpose. But this driving on the road, like seeing that, like, man, I'm in a moving car. I'm headed to where I need to be going. I'm not pulled over. I, my tires are working. I got gas in my vehicle. My oil's changed. You know, it immediately helped me put things into perspective. And this can apply to our lives, our lives at every level, always. You know, because compared to someone else, you are the richest man alive. Someone would do anything to have and live your life. And this doesn't mean becoming prideful and thinking, man, you know, I'm so much better than someone else. It just paradoxically humbles us. Like, whoa, I really have it so great. Because we're always comparing up the ladder, which leads to us undervaluing what we have, where we are, and overvaluing overvaluing what we don't have and what's out there. However, when you look down and even force yourself to go down, humble yourself, it's exactly what Jesus did. He is God and humbled himself as a slave, as a servant, as a man. He is the highest of things and went and became the lowest of things. That's why Christianity is weirdly like a fish religion. Like in the Bible, they talk about fishing for men. A fish, if you think about it, is the lowest of things, right? Under the sea, it is all the way down there. And so Jesus humbled himself to be the lowest of things. So when you force yourself to go down, your eyes are opened. It lightens your load. And my other example of this relative luck, being relatively rich, um, has happened many times at work. Um, and it applies at every level. And we all know it. We've all experienced it. And so 
and it's something that you can bring humor into as well to help lighten the load. You know, but for example, working on the farm um, and working in any job, there are tasks that you'd rather not do. There are tasks that are much better to do than others. So picking up rocks and weed eating are important tasks on the farm. When I say picking up rocks, picking up rocks in the field, um, because if you don't, big rocks damages equipment, costs a lot of money. So each of these tasks need to be done, and there's a lot of them to do. And so we have a decent-sized crew out there. So some guys will get one day drafted to pick up rocks. Other guys may get drafted to weed eat. Neither task is really, like, amazing and fun. But trust me, like, picking up rocks compared to weed eating is such a lighter load. It's such a better task to be doing, right? And the same thing is applied when you get selected to pick up rocks. You're like, haha, suckers, you know? You do a little dance because you realize, like, man, I don't have to weed eat today. Look how blessed I am. You can have a little humor about the task even of picking up rocks. Like, you think of picking up rocks, it's the same example as running. It's like you're really picking up rocks in a field, putting them in the back of a ranger, and moving them to a pile. Like, it's like such an arbitrary task in a sense. Like, you think about it, it's like, this is so silly, it's so stupid, you know? But that lightens your load a little bit. You can have a little humor about it. And by the same token, though, those guys who were selected to weed eat can work to put their task into perspective and find their own relative richness in that. Because, for one, there's always a job and maybe not on the farm, but out there in the world, that is always worse than weed eating. Secondly, weed eating is not your life. This task will end. You will get through it. You will endure. Thirdly, you have a job and are making money. You can walk. You're alive. Like, man, that alone is makes you richer than 150,000 other people who died this morning. Fourthly, tomorrow, you might get drafted to pick up rocks Tomorrow you might get drafted to pick up rocks. So you'll be even more grateful because you did something that sucked yesterday so it makes everything else a bit easier. Like if weed eating is the worst task on the farm and you can bear that, well, surely you can bear anything else, right? And like I think of uh, football practice, like sometimes we would uh, do conditioning where, you know, you put the O-linemen in one group the receivers in one group and the running backs in one group, whatever. You'd break it up some way like that. And um, the O-linemen would go their distance, the receivers go their distance, the running backs go their distance. But if, like, someone, for example, didn't touch the line in the receiver group and you were in the O-line group and they had to run an, another lap or another killer, whatever it may be, you're like, ha, 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 same thing. Like, man, we're out here, like, suffering, but they're suffering just a little bit more than me. Like, it puts it into perspective. You're like, realize how somewhat rich you really are. It just opens your eyes. And it seems so primitive. It seems like such a basic, silly little thing. But it's, and it's so simple. But at the same time, this simple thing can be so freeing. So this idea of relative luck being relatively rich can help you see and realize that you are the richest man alive. And if you can begin to let go of the ego, put your life into perspective, your eyes are open to the truth. And this is something we can practice daily and hourly, which makes it tangible. It's a useful tool in one's life that can be used. And it's just, it's cool because you realize, it, it goes back to, you begin to 
stop overlooking where you are, what you have, your problems. Realize someone else has it way worse and has hit it way better than you. Like if you're feeling sorry for yourself or where you're at, someone else has had it worse. Alex Mosey says this. Someone else has had it worse and has done it better. And so you can just continuously remind yourself of this, humble yourself. It helps us stop overlooking what we do have, where we are, who we are, and stop overvaluing what's out there and begin to value what we have in our lives. Because the fact that you're alive is a, is a rich blessing. And we live in a time of apathy. I think that's the right word. Um, apathy where you know we just don't realize how rich we truly are. People before us have suffered for generations to get us where we are today. So I could have running water just like that, lights on just like that, internet just like that, a road that works just like that. It's like a little gratitude, a little appreciation for where we are, how far we've come can go a long ways. So thank you guys for listening. I hope this can be a useful tool in your life. And I'll see you next time.